And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Her kick is blocked. Georgia Tech blocks it. The Jackets pick it up back in the 25, and Austin is returning it down the left oh, sideline. Pass the 50, a blocker, pass the 30. Inside the 20, inside the 10. It is the month of November, College Football Nation, College Football aficionados. You know what that means. Every week, Elimination Week going forward. Great to have you with us. Hope you're locked in and ready to go for week number 10. This, of course, is the College Football Show of great renown. We're strong as steel, and uh, if I may say so, from an analysis, evaluation, and breakdown standpoint, nobody can do it like we do around the, all of the uh, 130 uh, in the FBS. I'm Michael Regai, as always, joined by uh, our guru, the author of Phil Steele's College Football Preview each and every year, going back to the decade of the 90s, the one, the only, Phil Steele. What's going on, Phil? We can, man. It's November. How you feeling? You know, I'm doing good, Michael, and uh, just for our listeners to know, a little different on the show today than uh, what you're seeing around the country. It seems like all the national TV shows and all the Big Ten Network, Pac-12 Network, they're all talking about playoff possibilities. And what if this team does that? And what if this team does that? It's way too early in the playoff possibilities. We're going to see a lot of upsets down the line. We'll start talking playoffs when it actually means something. Your show today, we're going to talk about the games this weekend, and we're going to give you a lot of information on it. So that's that's what I'm doing today, Michael. What about you? Yeah, same thing. I'm with you. So I won't ask you how you feel about Georgia, Bama, Notre Dame, and Clemson being <laughs> one through four as we start the first one. No, the one that matters, and we'll, we'll as you said, you're right. Uh, Sunday, December third, I believe that would be right. That's the one that's going to matter when we'll uh, we'll know officially. Correct. That's right. And we'll talk about it the week before. The, the main matchup one, but not, not until then. We're talking games. And, well, games, well, there are – this is like – this buffet line this week is – it's got, like, all of your favorite foods on it. Whatever you like, food-wise, if uh, we were comparing it to uh, eating at the buffet, oh, this week is ready to roll. You've got to be ready to roll with us, too. We, you're the best. You guys are so engaged and uh, so well-informed. Phil and I discuss that after shows each and every week about uh, – uh, how you bring it strong, and that's uh, hey, that's why the show's name Strong is Steel. So we're ready to go. Our producer is Jim Nabosna. Here's the deal. Join us uh, to evaluate whatever you want around the FBS, whatever game you'd like, 646-668-2248. One more time, 646-668-2248. We'll give it out now because our producer, Jim Nabosna, is already going through our uh, the Twitter, and uh, we know the college football Twitter mailbag's always hot. At Phil Steele, 042, at Michael Regi, R-E-G-H-I, at Jim Nabosna. We're lined up and ready to roll. Phil, let's get moving, man. 
bedlam, Phil Steele, bedlam on Saturday in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Number five, Oklahoma at seven and one. Number eleven, Oklahoma State at seven and one. Now, Phil, we know the Sooners have owned Oklahoma State. I mean, they went fourteen and four under uh, recently uh, retired Bob Stoops. They won four of the last five. They won a couple in a row in Stillwater. Fourteen of the last fifteen, Phil, have gone to the Sooners when both of them have been ranked. Now, now these are two quarterbacks that you're going to need to watch. Baker Mayfield, of course, squarely in the Heisman race. Twenty-three TD passes thrown, close to twenty-seven hundred yards through eight games. That signature moment, obviously, the win in Columbus over Ohio State back in in week three. Oklahoma averages forty-three points a game, but Mike Gundy's cowpokes. They rolled into Morgantown and dropped 50, half a hundred, on uh, the Mountaineers of West Virginia last Saturday. Mason Rudolph is close to Baker Mayfield's numbers. 2,900 passing yards, 22 TDs. Phil, if I said defensive football may be optional in Bedlam, I don't know. Uh, can a defense show up in this when Oklahoma State is favored by three? How do you see this playing out in the, the most recent edition of Bedlamville? Yeah, and I, I think like you, like like you and like many others, uh, I think it will be a rather high-scoring game. But I do want to point out something uh, on the defenses heading into this. Oklahoma State this year defensively is holding foes to 83 yards below their season average. So that's some pretty good numbers. It's actually number 19 in the country the last two weeks, they've held West Virginia to 347, Texas to 283. Only twice this year have they allowed over 400 yards in a single game. Now, Oklahoma's got five, uh, four games this year where they've allowed over 400 yards, and that's one most folks remember, like Baylor lighting them up, Iowa State lighting them up. But they're actually holding opponents to 29 yards per game below their season average. So I think both these defenses, better than what they're giving credit for, they're taking on a lot of the wide-open offenses of the Big 12 and you're going to give up some points. Now, speaking of offense, these two have it. Oklahoma's averaging 203 yards per game above what their opponents normally allow. Oklahoma State, 158. I like the emergence of Rodney Anderson, a running back for Oklahoma. Now, Rodney Anderson's a guy who they were banking on to take over the feature role at the start of the year. Uh, he was coming off an injury, and he was very limited. He only had uh, 22 carries the first six games of the year. Last two weeks, 147, 181 yards. You combine that along with their quarterback, Baker Mayfield, their tight end, Mark Andrews, and a pretty good receiving core, and that's a potent Oklahoma offense. And Oklahoma State matches you with Mason Rudolph, the best receivers maybe in the country, led by James Washington, and then a guy like Justice Hill, a running back. So they're loaded as well. So you got two good offenses, two uh Let's say uh, defenses that don't get the respect they might deserve. I know they haven't played well, but but uh, both are holding their opponents below their season average. But I'm going to go with what you said, Michael, and that is Oklahoma just finds a way to win this. And I think they're going to revel in the fact that they're an underdog. I think we've seen a little bit of Oklahoma being the uh, – the top dog and, and maybe big favorites yep. in a lot of their games and not playing up to their potential. But now you've slapped them down and made them the underdog, much like they were against Ohio State earlier this year. And that's when they played their best game of the year was against Ohio State. Well, here you go, road underdog again. I expect Oklahoma to play their best game of the year. And I think if Oklahoma plays their best game of the year, i like them to win Bedlam. How about you, Michael? Yep, same thing. I'm with you. Uh, we, I don't have to spend a lot of time just to answer your question real succinctly. I like Oklahoma in this. Look, I like Mike Gundy's, uh, you know, offensive philosophy, but um, Oklahoma 
for the reasons you laid out. I like what they do on the road. They play big road games well. So I'll be with you, Phil. I'll take the uh, the Sooners in this one. We're going to get to all of you in a moment. 646-668-2248-646-668-2248. Phil, that, that could be the Big 12 de facto championship game. We're going to get a Big 12 championship game, as we know, on Saturday, December the 2nd. Might be Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. We'll, we'll, without the division, we'll see how and that Iowa shakes State. out. It could be. I'm with you. We're going to cover those two a little bit later. How about our man Matt Campbell at Iowa State, too, Phil? Wow. I mean, this is, uh, you know, he said he'd get it turned quickly, and uh, in year two he's done just that. We'll touch on Iowa State a little bit later on. Let's uh, let's go to the Big Ten for the Big 12. Uh, Ohio State's Buckeyes, what a sensational second half, fourth quarter specifically, comeback behind J.T. Barrett last week as they – they finally caught Penn State and edged them by one thirty nine thirty eight. Now, Phil, they gotta they gotta go to Kinnick Stadium and see Kirk Ferentz. Unranked are the Iowa Hawkeyes. They're five and three, and of course, they know defensively they got to deal with J T. Barrett and uh, who, Barrett. By the way, Phil, last week in that fourth quarter was was brilliant. Uh, he again led that to a three fourth quarter touchdown passes uh only missed five throws in the whole game and i believe he had three drops by his receivers so but now he's got to go to kinnick stadium um you know you look at ohio state they haven't been to iowa city since jim trussell in 2010 phil and won 20 to 17 we know it's a tough environment for highly ranked football team. So Barrett's rolling in there. The Buckeyes D came up big in the second half, too. They limited Penn State to just 10 points. Phil, I was played to 17-10 final scores in three of the last four weeks. I know you'll discuss that. Losses at Michigan State and Northwestern by that tally, and they beat Minnesota at home 17-10 to last week. I like Akram Wadley. He's a quality running back for Iowa, oh, close to 700 yards and five TDs. Josie Jewell, their Mike linebacker, is one of the best in the nation for Iowa. But Ohio State is an 18-point favorite. The Buckeyes are ranked, uh, excuse me, Phil, the Hawkeyes D is ranked 12th in the FBS, give up 17 points a game. Do they have a shot as an 18-point home dog to at least hold down Ohio State's explosive offense to stay in the football game, Phil? And if everything, it sounds like you're doing the uh, pregame for this one, Michael, and that you're going to be calling the game because you sure are building up <laughs> yes. the suspense on this one. But uh, if everything was as you laid out, yeah, if everything was as you laid out, and Ohio State was just in need of a miracle comeback, and on Iowa, his defense is as good as you say it is, then this is going to be a heck of a game. But here's the thing I take from it. I watched the Ohio State-Penn State game, and Ohio State's offense just annihilated a Penn State defense that came in great statistically. And I pointed out, Penn State had not taken on a top 50 offense all year. Ohio State lit them up to the tune of 27 first downs, 529 yards. And that defense loved the defensive line. They shut down Penn State almost all night long, if not for the special teams and a kick return touchdown, a kick return almost for a touchdown. Uh, they only allowed 283 yards. That's a season low for Penn State. So they held Penn State to a season low, gained a season high against them. Phenomenal game on both sides of the ball. They shot themselves in the foot about 27 times and still ended up winning the football game. This is an Ohio State team that's operating on all cylinders 
with the exception of those mistakes they made early in the game, which got them behind. Now, you look at that Iowa game against Penn State. They only lost by two at home, and Penn State needed a last-second touchdown. But if you watch the game in the first half, I mean, Iowa State ran one play from the Penn State side of the field in the first half and threw a touchdown pass on that play. It was after an interception. They led 7-5 to at the half despite being outgained 219-54. to On the game, they gave up 579 yards to Penn State and only gave 273 against Penn State. So as much as they were dominated statistically, minus 306 yards per game, Ohio State dominated that same Penn State team, plus 246 yards per game. On the season, Ohio State is outgaining their foes by 269 yards. Iowa's actually being outgained by 23 yards. They gave Illinois 446 yards. Iowa State 467. Their defense has played a lot of light offenses this year, and when they have played a good offense, uh, they've struggled. So I, I think when you look at Iowa, they're a team that's sort of been doing it with mirrors. They're not, not uh, they're right now they're five and three and they're, they're in the, the pack there in the West, but their wins have not been impressive and they've had some big losses. And on the, the flip side of the coin, I think Ohio state, I do a power ratings thing on ESPN each week. They are the number two team in the country and they're operating on all cylinders. So 18 seems like a lot, but keep in mind, it's a 12 o'clock noon game. It's not a nighttime game or it's a three thirty game. I should say not a nighttime game. Mm-hmm. I like the Buckeyes to go in there and win this one by three touchdowns. I think that their defensive line will dominate on that side, and I think Iowa's going to have a tough time uh, keeping up with the Ohio State speed. So I'm going to take the Buckeyes by over three touchdowns. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and, and again, I just don't think Nathan Stanley, and I, I like Akron Wadley, as we said, the running back, but uh, tough sledding usually for running backs to run against that Ohio State front seven. So uh, Kirk Ferentz, Plus. you know, maybe he keeps his football team hanging around early, but but I, I'm with you. I like Plus, Ohio State. Iowa, to, uh, Iowa this year with that run game has had had 82 yards against Penn State, 19 yards against Michigan right. State, and 89 yards against Northwestern. So given a good mm-hmm. defense to go up against, not the Minnesota, Illinois, North Texases that they've been running on, they struggle to run the ball. Yeah. So, uh, again, we'll convincingly say Ohio State uh, is going to go on the road to Kinnick Stadium and win this one and continue to uh, impress as they hit the month of November. Hope we're impressing all of you on Strong as Steel. I'm Michael Reg. I'm a partner, uh, the very best in the business, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. 646-668-2248 is how we do it. You guys are all uh, lit up on the, the phone lines and ready to go. Let's start out today in the, uh, the great state of Oregon. And here's our friend Tyler checking in on Strong as Steel. Tyler, welcome. Good morning to you, Tyler. Glad you got right at the top of the list today. Hello? Can you hear me? We're on, Tyler. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. Good morning to you. Hello? Okay. Hi, guys. Uh, The Beavers have outgained their last two opponents and, quite honestly, should have won both of those games. However, I'm not really sure what to make of this because Colorado was not nearly as strong of a team as they were last year and Stanford played last week without their best player. The Beavers are all haul-in, as they've circulated a petition to make him the permanent head coach, but I've seen that story play out before in less desirable fashion. Meanwhile, they're playing a Cal team that it's safe to say is playing way better than anyone expected at the start of the season. I've been pretty impressed with the job Wilcox is doing in his first year, although I don't know how many people are noticing it, and don't think either side is going to take the other lightly this week, given the situations in both camps. It is the first road game since Hall took over. What are your impressions, Phil, and how do you see this game playing out? And also, real quickly, I'm curious, if you did a top four of group of five teams, who'd be in it? 
Okay, appreciate the call there, uh, as always, Tyler. And, uh, yeah, your, your Oregon State Beavers playing a lot better right now. Colorado and Stanford both needed last-minute touchdowns to pull out a win. And you said you didn't know how good Colorado is. Well, that same Colorado team that Oregon State probably should have beat at home just whipped California. Uh, at, uh, it was Cal- at Colorado. It was 44-28. to They put up 553 yards offense on that Cal defense. Uh, and only had 385 yards against Oregon State. So uh, as much as Oregon State outgained Colorado by 184 yards, that same Cal team was outgained by Colorado by 118 yards, and uh, I think that bodes well. Uh, like Ryan Nall getting a little more involved in the offense right now, that's a big plus. Daryl Garrettson's been a, a, a revelation, a quarterback, not throwing for big yards, but doing a good job managing the show, and I think the defense playing better, as we saw last week against Stanford. They're playing with that enthusiasm. Corey Hall may just get the job. We'll see what happens. Uh, I do think Oregon State has a shot at this game against Cal. They're getting a little over a touchdown. I would take the underdog in that one. Uh, my current Final Four, and like I said, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but projecting ahead, uh, my Final Four for the end of the season, I'm going to go out on a limb here and go with Bama's going to make it. Uh, I'm going to go with Ohio State, Clemson, and how about Notre Dame? They've got a couple tough tests coming up, but I think Notre Dame sneaks in there. So those will be my Final Four right now. Appreciate the call, Tyler. Yeah, good stuff, Tyler. Uh, always enjoy hearing from Tyler. Uh, morning. We always say good morning to Tyler, of course, in the great state of Oregon. Uh, we are strong as steel. We keep moving on here with you. And as we said, uh, you know, there's 130 around the FBS, and we're locked in on each and every matchup uh, throughout the course of the week. Uh, let us uh, go to our man nine route checking in from uh, Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, we we met at Conference USA thoughts uh, from our guy uh, uh, Nine Route. This or, or is it? Wait a minute. No, maybe Sunbelt thoughts, uh, as it were. Hey Nine, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Hey Michael, Phil, doing well. Hope you guys are doing well too. Yeah, going down to the Sunbelt this week. Uh, I'm looking at this Georgia State, Georgia Southern, and neither team really stands out too much statistically. But I got to give an edge both the total defense, total offense to Georgia State and. When you look at the two teams, Georgia Southern kind of in flux there without a coach, uh, not a whole lot to play for. Georgia State, though, with a real shot at bowl eligibility. And they actually won four of the last five games, and Connor Manning in in those last five games is hitting 65% of his passes, 237 yards per game with an 8-2 to ratio, touchdown to interception. So I definitely give them the edge at quarterback, and I feel like if they get ahead, I don't see Georgia Southern with a – come from behind offense uh i gotta go with the short road favorite here georgia state all right appreciate the call nine round and uh i'm gonna agree with you on this one uh when you look at georgia state playing very good football right now now granted they haven't exactly been taking out powerhouses but beating south alabama last week showed me something south alabama a good team uh and they beat them 21 to 13 uh, got out gained by 29 yards, but as you mentioned, Manning is playing well right now. Having Penny Hart back is big this season. Remember, Penny Hart missed all of last year. He's their leading go-to receiver, and as you touched on defensively, uh, they've got the edge here as well. Now, Georgia Southern has a new head coach for a reason. They're winless. They're being outgained by 154 yards per game. Uh, last year, they've tried to throw the ball more. This year, they've been running it more, which I thought would be a good thing. But overall, they're just an inexperienced squad, and the defense is playing well below expectations right now. So I, I can't imagine that Georgia Southern's going to have a rabid home crowd for this one, although they've been known to have pretty good home crowds in the past. 
past, but when you're 0-7, it's tough to get the fan base rolling, and I, too, like Georgia State on the road in that one. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I do appreciate that, uh, absolutely. And uh, there's an example of uh, how Phil and I, we're, we're as locked in as you're going to find anywhere uh, around the college football landscape with regard to the group of five. And uh, we hope back way back in, in August you heard Phil and I go through uh, every one of the squads in the group of five as we laid out previews for the football season. I bet if you go to iTunes, you're going to find out that as we laid it out in August, a lot of that is uh, has uh, played out exactly as we thought it would with regard to the group of five. All right, 646-668-2248. Back to all of you in a moment. Hey, you know, I get asked all the time when these big football Saturdays come up, uh, how do I get a shot to go see my favorite team I want to get in the stadium? You know what my answer is? The best, most efficient way for your tickets, sports events, concerts, college football. It's our friends at SeatGeek. That's right, SeatGeek. They've got a seamless mobile experience that uh, really is as, about as easy as it can be for you. It allows you to buy and sell your tickets to all the college football games and every event you want, whether it's theater, comedy, uh, movies, doesn't matter. With just a couple of taps, you get the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. So you can go see your favorite team or musician as you instantly find seats. I had it this summer when saw Bruno Mars with our friends at SeatGeek and just loved it. SeatGeek, it's your go-to app that will save you time and money uh, on every type ticket you want, sports, concerts, theater. And you know what the best part of uh, the SeatGeek experience is? You're a strong as steel listener, and we love you for that. And that means we're going to take care of you, along with our friends at SeatGeek. You strongest steel listeners, you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right, 20 bucks off. All you do is download the app, enter the promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E, 20 bucks off, just like that. Be front and center at the event you want, like maybe those two hot ones in the Atlantic Coast Conference coming up this weekend. SeatGeek will get you there. Make sure you do it the most efficient way, the best way, with our friends at SeatGeek. Great to have you in touch on Strong as Steel. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Get your Twitter questions lined up. In a few minutes, we'll get with Jimmy and uh, he will uh, give us an idea what everybody is thinking about on social media with regard to the college football weekend. Uh, Twitter, at Phil Steele, 042, at Michael Regai, at Jim Nabosna. Phil, I just mentioned him. I'd love to be there, either one of them, this weekend. Let's go to the ACC, my man, because a couple are uh, are going to be very, very intriguing. Number four, Clemson, 7-1 on the year. He's got to go to Raleigh and see number 20, Oklahoma State. They're 6-2, and excuse me, but they are 4-0 in the ACC. Uh, and for Clemson, Phil, Dabo Swinney got quarterback Kelly Bryant back, and he was solid in that 24-10 win over Georgia Tech. Their defense uh, is shining. Dabo's D is sixth in the FBS. They only allow 13 points a game. Now, he can shut you down now, and they're looking to shut down North Carolina State Wolfpack QB Ryan Finley this week, who has uh, has got his squad out to an early lead last week at South Bend. They were up quickly by a couple of TDs, and then they got put on ice for the rest of the football game by that Irish D. 
It wound up 35-14, that NC State loss, just their second of the year. Now, Bradley Chubb and that Pac D, they feel good about. Phil, I've been taking a look at them this week. They feel good about their ability to keep Bryant and the Clemson offense in check at home in Raleigh. Dabo Swinney and the Tigers of Clemson, an eight-point road favorite, Phil. Do they stay on course with this big one uh, against the uh, the NC State Wolfpack this week? Yeah, and I think it's going to be an excellent game. Uh, you look at NC State, they play great at home against Louisville. Uh, you know the crowd's going to be into it. Last week against Notre Dame, they blocked that punt and recovered it for a touchdown to jump out to the 7 nothing lead, but did lead 14-7. Uh, before coming up short the rest of the game. Uh, defensively, uh, did a decent job against Notre Dame, but still gave up 318 yards rushing. I thought they would do a little bit better than that. Uh, offensively, they struggled to run the football and uh, you know actually got outgained by Notre Dame by 159 yards. It's a Clemson team that's battle-tested. They went on the road and beat Virginia Tech, probably worse than the final score. Uh, that one, 31 to 17, but I think it was 28 to three into the fourth quarter. Louisville, they were in control throughout the entire game, and the Auburn game in the opener, they took on an excellent Auburn defense. And even in uh, Kelly Bryant's first real start, you know, against a real defense, they put up 281 yards. So I think Clemson's a better team, battle tested, should be able to go on the road and get the win. I think this one will be a lower scoring game because you do have two excellent defenses. I mean, Clemson's holding their opponents to 160 yards below their season average on the year. I don't know if Kelly Bryan is quite 100% yet. Uh, so overall, I'm expecting a little bit of a lower scoring game in this one and like Clemson to win this one. Yeah, I do too, Phil. I'm with you. So Phil and I are uh, in lockstep on uh, three of the big ones so far this week. Uh, Clemson, uh, to me, is one of the uh, top three football programs uh, in in the, the nation, and uh, Dabo Swinney, I believe, will keep them rolling this week uh, against NC State. Uh, we're speaking of quarterbacks, right, uh, with Kelly Bryant of, of uh, Clemson and uh, Ryan Finley of NC State. Phil, let's, let's stay in the ACC because there's another big one. As Mark Richt in his 10th-ranked uh, Miami Hurricanes, uh, 7-0. and So they're one of those two unbeatens that are, are, are kind of bringing up the rear uh, right now with Wisconsin. Miami, Wisconsin, unbeaten. But again, uh, not right now thought of as the type of football teams uh, that we've mentioned here earlier on. All right, so uh, the last three wins over Georgia Tech, Syracuse, and at UNC, Phil for Miami by a total of 14 points. But the Canes, oh, but they are unbeaten, right? With, uh, as we said, uh, that, uh, that offense that uh, finds a way to get it done. Now, Malik Rozier is having a strong year. 32 points a game. The quarterback is a trigger man. He's thrown for 2,000-plus yards and 17 TDs. So we've talked about it before, but I have been impressed that they lost the talented uh, running back, Mark Walton. But Travis Homer, the sophomore, has run strong. 517 yards since he's taken over, five TDs. Vatek, Phil, 3-1 and one in the ACC. they got that redshirt freshman, QB Joshua Jackson. That has been impressive. This year, 17 to 4 TD pick ratio, over 2,000 yards. Wide receiver Cam Phillips, really like him. Six touchdowns. He's a big play guy. They beat Duke Phil last week. The Hokies, the Hokies are favored by two and a half here in Hard Rock Stadium, going on the road to Miami. 
Boy, this is very intriguing, Phil. How do you see this one? Can Miami find a way again? They've been winning tight, but have stayed unbeaten. Yeah, and uh, at the start of the year, I picked Miami to win the division. A lot of it was because they got this game at home, and I'm sticking with it. And when I look at Miami, their offense has actually been better than I expected so far. I mean, Malik Rozier throwing the ball well. He's got a 17-4 ratio. Uh, I remember when I talked to Coach Rick uh, two years ago when he just took over, he was a little alarmed at the wide receiver speed. He has recruited to improve that speed, and they've got talent there. They've got a couple of guys averaging, three guys averaging over 20 yards per catch. And I'm on Richards, Jeff Thomas, and Langham, and then they've got their main guys as well. But uh, and as you mentioned, Travis Homer's done a nice job filling in. Offensive line's done pretty sturdy this year, only allowing 13 sacks all year, and opening the holes for 5.2 yards per carry. Now, defensively for Miami, you know when I looked at their front seven at the start of the year, I was thinking this is going to be a dominant unit, and I, at this point, I expected them to be allowing like 2.4, 2.5 yards per carry. I'm a little surprised they're giving up four uh, one yard per rush attempt. Seems a little high, higher than what I thought they would. But the talent's still there. They didn't lose anybody. And maybe this is the type of game where they play up to their level. It's been an unusual situation for Miami in the fact that, you know, you look at the last couple of years, they've had some down seasons, five losses, four losses. So the expectations weren't really there. Maybe they had a little difficulty with that. They came off a couple of big games, were big favorites, struggled in that situation. But home underdog, that's going to get you fired up. And I think that defensive front seven will play up to its level. Now, in their two biggest games this year, they beat Florida State on the road. And then the Georgia Tech game, they needed a leg score to win that one by one. But they actually outgained Georgia Tech by 200 yards. Now we'll look at the two biggest games for Virginia Tech this year. They played West Virginia. And while they won the game, they actually got outgained by 123 yards. And then the other one was Clemson, a game they trailed 24-3 to into the fourth quarter. They got two late touchdowns to make the yardage appear even there. So I think Miami's played better in the biggest games. This is a big game. You've got a home underdog situation. Josh Jackson's done well this year, but on the road he's yeah. only played East Carolina and Boston College so far. So this would be the first real test in front of a first real loud crowd. Add it all up. I'm going to take the home underdog here. And even if they win close, who cares? They're an underdog. <laughs> You're right. I'm with you on that. As we said, you know, the, those last three wins are by a total of 14 points over Georgia Tech, Syracuse, and at North Carolina last week. But that that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter by how many. It just matters by how. Uh, certainly, at least uh, in the eyes of whether or not you stay unbeaten. So, Phil, partner, we can't find one we disagree on yet. I'm with you. I like Rick in Miami in this one as well as a home dog. So uh, that is how we uh, like to have fun here on Strong as Steel. You can join the party, and we we love everything that you contribute to this show. You guys do a fabulous job, and when you you know check us out, Blog Talk Radio or iTunes, go tell us why you love the show so much, and uh, we'll keep going forward and onward and upward for you here on uh, Strong as Steel. Again, that's 646 2248. And with that in mind, let's uh, head to Columbus, Ohio. And uh, here's our man, Derek. Derek's got his eyes on the SEC this weekend and a particular matchup. Hey, Derek, welcome. Go right ahead. How you doing, guys? I hope you guys are doing pretty good today. It's kind of wet down here in Columbus. I hope you guys are staying dry wherever you are. Uh, we have Florida. Change the coach. And I talked about it mm. with you guys last 
about a coaching change, and uh, that's exactly what happened last week with the Georgia Southern. Looking at Florida, guys, what you thinking? All right, appreciate the call there, Derek. And, uh, yeah, anytime you change a coach, it's usually a good situation. Teams usually play well, get a little more fired up. And I think this one has even more to it than that because, as I have been pointing out in my in the newsletter inside the press box and many weeks on ESPN, is that Missouri is two different offenses. Now, Missouri, and I pointed it out in the magazine for last year as well, uh, when you look at Missouri and you take on a group of five team, their offense is potent. In fact, uh, Missouri and Drew Locke are usually among the fantasy leaders uh, anytime. They are averaging 685 yards per game and 64 points per game versus non-Power 5 teams this year. However, versus Power 5 teams this year, the number's almost cut in half in the yardage down to 369 yards per game. And the points per game is almost cut in fourth down to 18.4. That's 64 points per game against power non-Power 5 teams, 18.4 versus Power 5. So let's see, what is Florida? Oh, they're a Power 5 team. So I think that Missouri's offense will be uh, less intimidating than they've been the last two weeks when they've been feasting on overmatched competition. And as you mentioned, generally when a coaching change comes around, players get a little more fired up. Uh, you know, look what happened with Ed Orgeron last year at LSU. As you t- we've talked about a couple of them, Oregon State got the interim head coach in there. Now you got the interim head coach at Florida. They're actually an underdog for this game at Missouri. I like the Gators to go on the road and get the win in that. So I'm in complete agreement with you there, Derek. Appreciate the call and uh, stay dry. Randy Shannon, of course, former player and coach uh, the, at the U, the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, we'll see if they bounce back this week. Phil, I, I tell you, and uh, you know, I made sure I taped that one last week, and I, I don't know, I was just a little bit stunned uh, the way that that Florida rolled over. I mean, they just had got nothing rolling all day long. So we'll see. Real quick, Phil, Scott Frost, Chip Kelly, Dan Mullen. Who does the steel crystal ball say might be the next head coach of the Florida Gators? Uh, any of them would be a good choice. So, uh, you know, that it's you like all I of those don't speculate. Yeah. And I usually don't speculate too much on coaching things until they actually happen because I'm not the guy in control. I could tell you if I was, if I was the guy hiring, I would have complete control of it. And I could tell you who I pick, but in that case, uh, coaching changes, uh, you know, we'll just wait to see who ends up getting hired, but uh, definitely all three are worthy. Yeah, I think Scott Frost is going to have quite a decision because, you know, the alma mater might Nebraska be calling to Nebraska, but uh, yeah. yeah, Nebraska, Florida, it's going to be, he's a guy we're going to really, really watch. There's Scott Frost, the uh, current coach at UCF during the off season. All right, uh, let's swing out to a Kelly head uh, to the left coast, California, and say good morning to our man, Tony. Tony's got some big 10 thoughts uh, here coming up this weekend. Welcome, Tony. Good morning, man. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Um, I'm fascinated about this big 10 matchup between Minnesota and Michigan. Michigan has finally shown some life this week when they changed their quarterback. And, Minnesota's been playing kind of like 50% this whole season or in the middle of the road. How do you see this game, gentlemen? Yeah, first of all, I think appreciate the call, by the way, Tony. And I, I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. Uh, even last week, once they shifted to Brandon Peters, Peters, they scored three consecutive touchdowns on three drives. 
Little surprise, Rutgers gained almost 200 yards offense against Michigan. Doesn't seem like a lot, but I actually expected less. And uh, Michigan missed a key field goal last week, or they would have won by 24 if you catch my drift on that one. But uh, Brandon Peters <laughs> yeah. did, 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 give him a, did give him a better offense. Uh, and Minnesota's a team that's been struggling offensively all season long. I mean, they're a team that they're at their best when they can get that run game going with Rodney Smith, Shannon Brooks, but I think it's going to be tough sledding against Michigan's defense. However, Minnesota's defense is playing pretty good. They're holding opponents this year to 49 mm-hmm. yards below their season average. Uh, I don't think Michigan's going to light it up here. Now, the, the Michigan is, uh, I think they're under a 17-point favorite in this one. So it's in the big house. You'd have to probably side with Michigan. I don't, I've don't. i been disappointed with Minnesota in a couple of games this year. line in Vegas right now is 15, 15 and a half on this. I was disappointed in their game against Maryland, which they lost at home. The Purdue game was closer than the final. Uh, they actually gave up an interception return for a touchdown at the end. They really only had the ball down by seven, deep in Purdue territory for that. The Michigan State game is one they could easily have won. And then even last week against Iowa State, or against Iowa, only a seven-point loss. But uh, I'll probably, I would probably lean with Michigan a little bit, but not, not too much lower scoring game there, though. Appreciate the call. Yeah, good stuff, Tony. Uh, appreciate you, and I hope things are well in California. Uh, Phil, you're right. You know, this Minnesota defense is a little bit better than I was taking a look at them on tape this week. They're a little bit better than, than uh, you know, at first blush. But they have so many offensive issues that P.J. Fleck hasn't been able to sort out. It has uh, certainly uh, not shown up in the Big Ten as of yet. As, of course, they're uh, looking for uh, – Looking for an elusive Big Ten win that they haven't had in a while. So, uh, Brandon Peters, you know, you're right. This is Jim Harbaugh's first recruit, quarterback recruit. You got him out of high school after the 15th season, redshirted him last year. So, you know, 6'5", 225 pounds. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has thrown out the Andrew Luck comparison down the road, Phil. So, we'll, we'll down the road, not now, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and see if that, uh, as Harbaugh, of course, was a guy who recruited Andrew Luck and then developed him at Stanford. All right, strongest steel rolling on, 646-668-2248. Phil Steele's here, the man with all the information and best analysis in the business. I'm Michael Regai. Our producer is Jim Nabosna, whom we're going to call on front and center right now. Jimmy, on Twitter, we know it's burning up. The Twitter always uh, lights it up for us here on Strongest Steel. You're front and center, Jim DeBosna. Go right ahead. What do we have on the folks of uh, on the minds of the folks on the Twitter today? We start today with Benny, who wants, who says he knows Tennessee isn't very good, but they're only favored by six to a Conference USA team at home, and that, that seems fishy. Can UT cover versus Southern Miss? You know, they can. They've got the talent to get there. You take a look at last week. They actually had a 445 to 371 yard edge against Kentucky. Uh, they out first down them 27 to 17. The thing that concerns me is their red zone efficiency. Now they benefited from plus four in turnovers and still didn't get the win. Every time they got in the red zone, it was either a field goal or a missed field goal. Very few touchdowns. And that's really what's been Tennessee's problem all season long. I like the way Ty Chandler filled in for John Kelly. They get Kelly back this week. I think the offense has been decent. They actually scored a couple touchdowns last week. It was uh, broke a 15-quarter streak and not scoring an offensive touchdown. They scored two of them last week, so how about that for Tennessee? 
defensively, they still get pushed around a little bit, but I don't know if Southern Miss is the team that's going to push you around. I mean, Edo Smith can run the ball. He's averaging 5.7 yards per carry, but UAB slowed him down last week. We'll see what Tennessee does. And Southern's had a, a, a decent year this year. They're 5-3. and three. They had this surprising loss to North Texas at home, a surprising loss to UAB at home. Maybe they were looking ahead to Tennessee a little bit. They went on the road and got the win at Louisiana Tech this year. Uh, you look at the quarterback play at the start of the year, Keon Howard was not the quarterback, and so they benched him. They brought in Griggs, a QB. He quarterbacked for basically three games. When they brought Howard back off the bench, he's been a different quarterback since then. In fact, he's got a uh, 8-4 ratio in the last four games, and he's actually looked competent throwing the football, something he did not look last year, something he did not look the first two games of the year. So Southern Miss has some talent. They're holding their opponents to 42 yards below the season average, may even have the better defense. I think Tennessee's a better team, should be able to win, but the big question is can they score touchdowns in the red zone because if they keep settling for field goals, then that six and a half looks pretty big. Appreciate the tweet. Paul Pasquale asks, is FAU getting overhyped, thus leaving a juicy seven and a half up there for the Thundering Herd? This is not a typical spot for FAU. Yeah, not a typical spot for FAU. And, and while as Marshall had a down year last year, this is a different Marshall team this year. And I think you find both teams here are off misleading finals. You look at Marshall last week, uh, they actually outgained FIU by a 505 to 401 total, out first downed them 29 to 21. Minus three in turnovers, ended up losing at home. This is the same Marshall team that's been pretty much dominant in CUSA play. In fact, they're outgaining their CUSA foes by 141 yards per game. Now, Florida Atlantic coming off a bit of a misleading final as well. Early in that game against West Kentucky, they had eight and 18-yard touchdown drives due to turnovers. That got them 14 points early. They still trailed 28-21, then the fourth quarter scored three touchdowns and won it by 14. They were out first down 32-21, to outgained in the game by a little bit, even with that big fourth quarter splurge. And now they're laying big points to Marshall. There's Marshall's plus 141 in CUSA play. FAU is plus 125. But because of last week's results, Florida Atlantic's over a touchdown favorite here. I do like the Marshall Thundering Herd as an underdog to potentially pull the upset. Appreciate the tweet. Mike T. asks, with both teams coming off tough losses, can Pence can cover the eight points on the road in a tough environment at Michigan State? Yeah, and I think when you look at these two teams, you've got Penn State with one loss this year. You've got Michigan with just two losses this year. Uh, Michigan has been putting up some, or Michigan State, I should say, has been putting up some pretty good numbers. But this one I'm going to refer to the common opponents these two have taken on this year. They've taken on four common opponents. I'm talking about Iowa, Indiana, Northwestern, and Michigan. Now, of those four opponents, Michigan State is 3-1 and one against them, and they've won by 1.7 points per game. All the games have been close. They lost one of them, and they've only uh, outscored those four opponents by 1.7 points per game. Now, Penn State last week struggled with the best defensive line in the country, but Michigan State doesn't have that kind of talent over there. And how has Penn State done against Iowa, Indiana, Northwestern, and Michigan? They have outscored them by 21.5 points per game. I think that shows Penn State a much stronger team than Michigan State. They are in a tough situation coming off that big game against Michigan, coming off that big game against Ohio State. But, heck, Michigan State's coming off a big three-overtime game against Northwestern coming back home. I think Penn State's the better team, and the thing that pushes me over 
over the edge here is the special teams edge. Penn State is number nine on special teams. Michigan State number 111. My computer says Penn State wins this by a couple of touchdowns. I'm going to agree. I'm taking uh, Penn State now one. And we swing out to Denzel, who asks, does Syracuse bring its passing attack down to Florida State, take advantage of their defense, and beat the Seminoles outright? Uh, you know, Syracuse has been underrated all year uh, and doing extremely well. You look at uh, the games they've been playing, and, and granted, a couple of games they've been a, a big underdog and played closer than expected, like LSU, like NC State, even like Miami of Florida. But uh, got the upset of Clemson at home. And Florida State's defense, uh, you may think that they're not good because Florida State's got a record of 2-5, and five, but they actually are pretty good. Uh, they're holding their opponents to 113 yards below their season average. Keep in mind, Florida State's taken on the nation's toughest schedule so far. I'm talking about Alabama, NC State, an underrated Wake Forest, Miami of Florida, underrated Duke, Louisville, Boston College have been playing well. And even last week when BC was racking up those 35 points, they only had 329 yards. So that's a very good Florida State defense. Florida State's offense had been playing better till last week when they got red bandanaed by Boston College. You can ask USC about that. It's not a good situation to go into, but it's a backs-to-the-wall game. Two and five for Florida State. They're at home. Can't lay a lot of points here because Syracuse is a scrappy team that has been playing well on both sides of the ball. Love the way Eric Dungy's throwing the football. But I'm going to call for Florida State to come away with the home win there. Appreciate the tweet. And a fantastic job from all of you uh, on the Twitter. We love social media here on Strongest Steel. Jim Nabosna is our guru of that, puts it all together for us each week. Might even be able to sneak a couple more in here in the final 15 minutes of the show. So if you want to do it, at PhilSteel042, at Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I, at Jim Nabosna. Let's keep rolling. 646-668-2248. Your input so valuable to all of us. Keep it happening right here on Strong as Steel. Phil, and number two, number two, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Let's go to the SEC. Eight no as we know and uh, doing what they do, win and win at a premium level. Back home in Tuscaloosa, hosting Ed Orgeron and uh, the 19th-ranked LSU Tigers. They're 6-2 and two on the year. Uh, people still talking about one of those two losses as they got beat in Baton Rouge by Troy. The Tide rolled Tennessee 45-7, not unexpected. The Tide have won six in a row against LSU, Phil. You and I talked a lot about that 10 nothing win in Baton Rouge last year. Of course, it was uh, scoreless, nothing nothing going into the uh, fourth quarter. Now, Jalen Hurts stays efficient. Now the sophomore quarterback, Damian Harris, leads that, uh, that run game. Calvin Ridley, the pass game. Uh, they're averaging 43 points a game. And Phil, that tied defense, you know, nobody – now number one. They're number one overall in the FBS. They only allow nine points per game, as always, loaded with NFL talent on that side of the football. Ed Orgeron and LSU, big opportunity for them, Phil. They can uh, wipe some of the uh, the bad tidings off their slate if they can go into Tuscaloosa and win this football game. The question is, do they have enough talent enough on the playing side to go do that against Bama. You know, my first reaction looking at the game is how do big underdogs do in this rivalry? Because you don't anticipate that there's been a lot of games where one of the two teams has been a big underdog. Go back to 1993, 
There's only three cases of a team being a 17-point favorite or more. Nationally, all three times mm-hmm. the underdogs covered. In that 1993 game, LSU was a 24-point underdog to a number 5 Alabama. And beat wow. them outright 17-13. So you would think the underdog would be just a knee-jerk reaction. That's what the way I'm going on this one. But when you break down the talent, I mean, now granted, Alabama's been waxing teams like Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi, Vanderbilt. None of those teams are LSU. LSU's a much better team than that. But this will all be, also be an A-plus game for Alabama. And uh, I think when you look at the tide, they're outgaining their opponents by 264 yards per game. As you touched on, holding their foes to 168 yards below their season average. I saw the way Mississippi State pushed LSU around on the road, uh, you know, when Mississippi State was at home for that one. And uh, even the Florida game, the Auburn game, Auburn had them on the ropes 20 to nothing, then sort of let them off the ropes. I don't anticipate Alabama doing that. And then throwing something else into the fire, Alabama came up number two in the playoff committee's rankings, so they're not even number one there. Maybe they haven't done enough impressively this year. You know, they're only uh, beating their foes by an average of 33 points per game. So it's one of those where my computer says Bama by 26. Your knee-jerk reaction is take the underdog if you're getting three touchdowns with LSU. I'm sort of torn. Not one of my favorite plays of the week, but I will say I'm going to go with Alabama maybe by 24 in this one. Yeah, I don't see this one being close in the fourth quarter this year. Uh, unfortunately, I know the uh, the Bayou Bengals fans don't like hearing that, but uh, just too much of a talent disparity. And uh, that always, always uh, shows up uh, in, in games uh, like this. So we like Alabama to take care of LSU in Tuscaloosa. All right, let's get back at it. Got some big ones we got to get to here on Strong as Steel. Still got time for you to get in, 646 668 2248. Uh, let's head back out to California. One of those big ones we're talking about. Oh, all of you that uh, that love the leprechaun and the four leaf clover, those fighting Irish in Notre Dame, they are uh, rolling. They got a big one again this week. Welcome in Wake Forest. Here's our man Ryan from Cali. Hey, Ryan, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, guys, for taking my call. Uh, so I'm calling about this Notre Dame game, the number three team in the nation going against uh, Wake Forest at home. Do you think they're going to cover that 14? Thanks. All right. Appreciate the call. And, uh, you know, last week I thought NC State was going to keep it tight with uh, Notre Dame. I thought it was going to be something like a 7 to 10 point win for the Irish. Turned out to be a 21 point win where they pretty much controlled the game with a 25 to 14 first down edge. They've got perhaps uh, one of the best, they do have one of the best offensive lines in the country. Mind boggling stats for a non option team. 318 yards per game rush, 6.9 yards per carry. And that defense showing some bite as well, holding opponents to 62 yards Mm -hmm. below their season average. Now, I like Wake Forest defensive line, no doubt about it. Uh, I think they're a top 25 unit, but they're not even as good as NC State's defensive line, which, of course, allowed 318 yards rushing last week. Georgia Tech gashed them for 427 uh, a couple of weeks ago, which surprised me. I thought Wake would – and it was a closer game than 38-24. They played a better game than that, but I was surprised Georgia Tech got that amount of yards on them. And Wake's off a pretty big game themselves. They just upset Louisville at home and now have to travel. I don't think you're going to see John Wolford throw for over 400 yards like he did last week. Uh, He is hitting 65% this year with a 15-2 ratio, but I think he'll struggle a little bit more against this Notre Dame team, especially on the road. And I I just think that Notre Dame offensive line will be the key here. So I'm going to just keep riding the Irish until they actually stop going. And uh, this is my number one most improved team in the magazine. They're living up to its potential. I like the Irish minus the 14 in that. Appreciate the call, Ryan. 
Yeah, Ryan, good stuff. Phil, real quick question to you. Brandon Wimbush, when, if, if he gets in warm, where they've got to be able to throw the football to beat a quality opponent, do you feel comfortable he'll be able to do that to augment their run game? Uh, I like some of the deep balls he's been throwing. He is only completing 51% this year, but he's not throwing a lot of short, chippy stuff at the line of scrimmage. He is throwing a good amount of his mm-hmm. passes down the field. He's got a 10-2 ratio, and I like the way the ball looks when it's in the air. So I think he has the potential should somebody slow them down, and, and he'll get tested by of Florida and Stanford, although neither have the run defense that I thought they would heading into the year. So uh, who knows? It might be the playoffs yeah. till that gets tested. Yeah, you could be right on that, but it will be, I think, a fascinating watch with Winbush and the way he throws the football coming down the stretch. Uh, This is how we do it on Strong as Steel. Let's go to the group of five, to the the state of Michigan, with some thoughts on uh, that battle, as always, between Central Michigan and Western Michigan. Here's our man, Tony. Tony, welcome to Strong as Steel. Go right ahead. Hey, thanks, guys. I love the show. Um, I know the only game tonight is the MAC game, Central at Western. Um, the line opened at six, and it's now, I believe, three and a half. Um, what's your take on that game? All right. Well, I think it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, Western at home is is a big plus. This is one where the home team tends to dominate. Although recently, uh, we have seen uh, the the visitor play well, and the reason that it's come down is Joe Wozniak is uh, out, the quarterback for Western Michigan. And that could be a a big-time factor in this game. You know, he's a guy that's on the season hitting 64%. He's got 14 touchdowns, uh, just four interceptions. So it looks like Reese Goddard is going to get the start. Reese Goddard, two of three passing on the year for 12 yards. Uh, they're going to have to rely on that run game. you got Jarvion Franklin, Jamari Bogan, uh, Bellamy. Those trio at running back that they have is uh, a very dangerous one. Central Michigan, when you look at their rush defense, they are giving up 4.5 yards per carry this year. They give up 300 yards rushing to Toledo, 200 to BC, 300 to Syracuse. So even though Shane Morris is on the other side, the Michigan transfer, he is a little mistake prone. He's got a 16-11 ratio this year. I'm going to have to side with Western Michigan at home, and uh, I think the the run game gets him there. But, Michael, what's your take on this one? No, I'm, I'm right with you. I was just going to say, I think, you know, Morris has been very up and down. He's had... He's had a five-touchdown game. He's had a six-touchdown game. And then he's had ones where his his completion percentage was under 50%. I'm with you completely. I think the Western Michigan defense and the ability to run the football with uh, Franklin, Bogan, and Bellamy, the difference here, just as Phil Steele laid out, of course, the best. And uh, we we know we'll enjoy watching that one uh, tonight, though, as well. Let's keep moving here on Strong as Steel in the time we have left, down to the Sunshine State of Florida, with some uh, thoughts on uh, thoughts on a football team that uh, everybody's going to play close attention to in the month of November, if you haven't, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs in South Carolina. Here's Lou on Strong as Steel. Hello, Lou. Hey Lou, uh, uh, Phil, how you doing, man? Good, Lou. Uh, I'm I'm thinking about this South Carolina game, and I know South Carolina they they have a lot of fight in them in the last past couple of weeks, and I've been watching them. They don't tend to give up much, but I was thinking that the 24 points of the Jake Bentley at the at the quarterback position that's a lot of points to give South Carolina in a in an SEC game. Uh, you can give me a thought on that. 
Yeah, and I'm in agreement with you there, Lou. Uh, when you take a look at this matchup, first of all, Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp are best friends. So I do not think Kirby Smart would ever, at the end of the game, go and try to tuck in a couple of touchdowns. And let's face it, Georgia doesn't have to worry about tacking on a couple of touchdowns at the end. They're number one in the playoff committee right now. And, in fact, that might hurt them a little bit because now everybody at Georgia is going to be talking about, hey, you're number one, you're number one. That's what all the chatter is going to be. As opposed to talking about South Carolina, they're going to be talking about where they're ranked in the playoff committee. Meanwhile, South Carolina, they just don't get blown out. Look at their losses this year. They've been by 10 points, 7 points. They don't do it pretty. I mean, they're being outgained by 39 yards per game, but somehow, some way, they stick in the game. They've got a defense that plays uh, as to its best of its talent level each week. They don't have the greatest talent, but they play there. Offensively, they're missing some big-time players. I mean, they're missing their top running back, Dowdell. They're missing their top receiver, Debo Samuel, went out. Uh, but they did get their offensive line back and healthy last week. That's a big plus. So you've got Georgia also has Auburn on deck. I think that's a huge game for Georgia coming up. So add it all up. I'm right there with you. I like the underdog in that one. Yep, good stuff. Appreciate the call, Lou. Great to hear from you in the state of Florida, as always. Let's stay in the Sunshine State as uh, we get in this fourth quarter in the two-minute warning here on uh, Strong as Steel. We uh, had the Tampa, and here's our man Sherman with some uh, with some thoughts on the AC, the AAC. Hey, Sherman, welcome to the show. How you fellas doing? I just got a question for you. Um, uh, with Memphis coming on strong, and obviously I'm a big Gator fan, so we're paying a little bit of attention to Norvell here. Um, I think he's in the, in the third, fourth slot, but still may get a look. Does Tulsa stop them, or is that over of 79? Is that number just to scare people off? Because I, I think Ferguson has been throwing it real well to Miller, and it just looks well. I don't, I don't know what else. I want to see what you guys have to say about that. Yeah, Tulsa's defense hasn't stopped anybody all year. Ask Michael about that. They're giving up 111 yards per game above the season average. Uh, Houston was the best game they played, and ironically, they upset Houston. And that's the same Houston team where if you follow Memphis and you watch that Houston game, for, what, 55 minutes, you're thinking Memphis is definitely going to lose to Houston and somehow, someway, score two touchdowns in the last few minutes and pull out the win on the road. So Houston gave them a uh, battle there. Tulsa beat Houston. So Tulsa could have one of those back-to-the-wall games, and maybe Luke Skipper gets some rolling. Remember, they shifted quarterbacks a while ago, went from president to skipper. They still have Brewer. They still have Brooks at the running back spot, so they've still got an offense that can't score. I think it will be a high-scoring game, and uh, I don't think Tulsa does slow down Ferguson a lot, but I think you will see the Tulsa's offense do better than expected. So it should be a high-scoring shootout. Appreciate the call. Yeah, good stuff, Sherman. And uh, the AAC going to be a fascinating watch too uh, here in uh, the month uh, of November. I think Phil, a little bit earlier on, by the way, we had uh, what's your top group of three, top group of five squads right now? If you uh, you had to place them out there, who you like as your top three? Well, they're they're probably uh, all from the AAC right now, which would be uh, Memphis, uh, Central Florida, and South Florida. I think everybody's looking forward to that Central Florida-South Florida showdown at the end of the year. And South Florida was their loss last week. Still, if they win out, I think they have a good chance of getting there. So it's it's wide open right now. Yep, no, I agree with you. Uh, Thoughts on uh, the Toledo Rockets? Big one tomorrow night against Northern Illinois. Phil, if they were to beat Northern Illinois and Western Michigan, their two biggest uh, that they have left, and run the table, win the MAC championship game, and wind up 12 and one, what do you think? Any possibility 
for for uh, you know at least some thought uh, in that Group of Five New Year's Bowl that Western Michigan went to last year. Yeah, I think well Western's big advantage last year was they had was they were undefeated. But then again, you know you look at Toledo, Correct. and if your only loss is to Miami and Miami ends the year unbeaten, then you're like, hey, that's not too bad. And that was a game they did yep. put up 429 yards in. So uh, yes, painted that scenario. If they beat Northern, beat Western, beat the East champ. Uh, I think Toledo will be knocking at the door at the end, provided it's not an undefeated UCF. Then forget about it. All bets are off. UCF is already a, a darling in Vegas, darling everywhere. They just blow teams out, and uh, mm. I think an undefeated UCF would top everything. Yep, of course, no question about that. Ohio right now. Ohio and Akron, actually, but an impressive win for Ohio over uh, arch-rival Miami uh, in uh, in Athens last night. In the Mac, Phil. I think we are about out of time, my man. But as always, uh, outstanding stuff. Give us an idea of what you have coming up and uh, where we can look for you and read you as well. Yeah, well, the first place to go is uh, ESPN.com/slash Phil Steele. I'll take you to ESPN Insider, get all my college and NFL write-ups, get my uh, Vegas power ratings. ESPN.com/slash Phil Steele, the Vegas Insider. $3.33 a month. Guys, you pay less than half. That's less than half of what you pay for a beer at a ball game. So make sure you check that out. Then also the Inside the Press Box. Check out the InsideThePressBox.com. Get the newsletter each week. 59 college games broken down. All the NFL games. InsideThePressBox.com. Get sample copies there, and as well as get yourself a great newsletter for the rest of the season. InsideThePressBox.com. And finally, Phil Steele Plus. The uh, Phil Seal Plus uh, breakdown on Friday. I'll break down a bunch of games, show you how to use the website, but it's always informational. Check that out Friday after 12 o'clock noon, and check out all the fun stuff we got up there on philsteel.com right now. It'll be fantastic, as always. Great job this week, Phil, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again. The month of November is just going to be wild. We know that as it is every year. Phil, we'll see you next week, man, right here on Strong as Steel. Have a great weekend. Sounds great, Michael. You too. Thank you, sir. So for Phil Steele and uh, our producer, Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Regga. I hope you enjoyed it, everybody. Again, uh, iTunes as well. You can check us out. There's an opportunity for you to leave a comment there. Let us know why you love Strongest Steel. Let us know why you have to have this each and every week. And uh, it gives us uh, an added boost in being able to continue to bring the show your way. So for all the guys, again, hope you have a fabulous – what a slate we have this weekend. We've gone through them all. Hope you enjoyed all. Hope it's a uh, terrific football weekend for all of you. So for Phil and Jim, I'm Michael. We'll talk to you next week, everybody, right here on Strong as Steel. Till then, so long.